0: to making you talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. And we are joined today, James, by a very special guest. Who have we got?
1: Well, today we have got um, Dr Kate Vigers, who did her PhD on uh, studying the uh, women of the SOE and has followed that up with a fabulous book called Mission France, The True History of the Women of SOE. You know, and I think you know we're all a bit obsessed, aren't we, with secret agents in France and beautiful... You know, nort Yet Khan and Violet Zarbo Well, and, I don't know. I, I was, was... Andre Borrell and all these beauties who kind of ended up, you know, heroically heading over to France and then being caught out by the Gestapo and dying grisly deaths at the end. Well, of
0: the I, I was, I was, the Lysander on the cover of the book was enough for me, to be honest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Hugh Verity and all that
0: yeah <laughs> well well anyways it's been, welcome, yeah, yeah, nice so, to yeah. have you kate thank, thank you very so much. much for joining us
2: thank you for having me
0: <laughs> um so uh what why why soe and why the women of soe um is it, it, it why why were you attracted to that as a as a, a subject
2: uh, it's quite a long story but it's sort of been in my psyche from Being quite young, there was a TV programme called Wish Me Luck in the 80s, um, which sort of whetted my appetite. And when I started to do historical performances, I wanted a character uh that uh i just had some gumption about it uh, and i started to look into soe again and i just got hooked the second time around um the reason for this uh, you've mentioned some of their names already there are some agents who are so well known and then there are some that people have never heard of and there were 39 of them who went into france and i wanted to make sure that they all got as much um room within the book as possible as much information out there about them as possible now it's not possible to make it equal because the the files don't work like that the records don't work like that but it, i just found it important and also to try and interweave their stories because they weren't out there on their own They were working within networks. There were mail agents. There were people back at home. And it just seemed to me to be important to try and tell the whole story, uh, not just not just individual stories. Um, And, yeah, it's stories of daring do, isn't it? And heroics and tragedy and sacrifice. And it's just quite compelling to read and to study.
1: I mean, I think one of the things that always strikes me from from what I've read about all this is just how comparatively ill prepared they were for what they were being asked to do I mean you you know they don't seem particularly brilliantly well trained they don't seem a lot of the time um, they seem to be kind of under prepped and kind of I I don't know the whole thing just seems so amateur to me
2: Yeah, and it it was regarded as amateurs, certainly by other people who'd already done this kind of stuff, you know, in particular MI6, uh, really considered them to be a bunch of amateurs. And in a way, it's quite strange that this organisation was born at all because we already had uh, secret agents and an organisation that could put people into the field and that had experience of doing so. Um, Regards the training, I think they did as well as they could given the circumstances, but you look at some of the training and it is... um, some of it's pretty short, some of it they don't really know what they're trying to achieve with it. Um, and I guess the question is, can you ever be prepared to drop behind enemy lines? Can you ever really know what what skills you're going to need and what uh, what you could have done better to prepare yourself? So some of them had only a few weeks and some of them had months and months of training. So, yeah, it is hard to to work out, really, whether the training could have been any better given the circumstances.
1: Okay, well, you know, I mean, I mentioned that's a really, that's
0: a sorry, that's a
2: really
1: go. good
0: point, Kate. That, 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 that you don't, you know, because after all, uh, most people's encounter with the concept of espionage begins with James Bond films, where he's taken, yeah. he's taken, he's taken down. You know, Q takes him to the to the room full of gadgets and gives him four gadgets that, handily, it turns out he's going to need in his upcoming <laughs> adventure. That, that who'd have thought that the exploding watch would be the thing that he absolutely needs in, in the third act, and and obviously. Life isn't like that. And and but Fleming took inspiration from these the sort of gadgety mm. things SOE have. But it yeah. it's much more to do with, with, you know, speaking the right kind of French, isn't it? And being street smart, not leaving a big footprint, not being memorable and and all those sort of things, rather than necessarily having a you know, having something in the heel of your shoe.
2: Yeah, I agree. It is about being the right kind of person. And again, uh, what makes the right kind of person. And if you look at the 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 variant of women that were recruited into the soe it's very difficult really to see any sort of pattern at all you've got young women late middle-aged women mothers countesses Woolworth's assistants you know there's such a broad range of them but the prerequisites remain the same, I suppose. Fluent French, to be able to blend in and to have that amount of patriotism. And what they were also looking for with the women was the ability to take orders. You don't find that in the male reports, but the women had to work as subordinates and they had to be able to do what they were told and have enough nows to do the one job, their one mission. Well, and not to argue. And those that did argue really came unstuck, unfortunately.
1: So, so I mean, let's go through their training. So, so if you take, I mean, I don't think most most people probably haven't heard of Diana Rowden or Andre yeah. Borel or I don't know uh, um, Denise Block or or, or or some of these. I mean, you know, so take those for an example. I mean, what what training are they doing? What's their what's their background? Why, why are they why are they chosen for SOE?
2: So backgrounds varied massively, but for me, the most uh, appropriate background someone could have would have been to already be out there in occupied France, maybe working on an escape line or already working with the resistance because they had experience of uh, working undercover and of of life in occupied France because it was so very, very different in such a, a space of a few months. Uh, with regard to training, it, it changes throughout the war. So I'll, I'll go for the later war because it's easier to explain. So they'd start with preliminary training. Um, and the idea of that really was to weed out unsuitable recruits. They would do things like basic firearms, um, physical training, uh, a bit of hand to hand combat, um, weaponry, uh Basic, basic stuff. But the idea was then to identify whether or not they were the right kind of person to go ahead into the next stage of training. And the next stage would have been the paramilitary training up in Scotland um, on the West Coast. And that was essentially commando training. Now, for the male recruits, probably relatively... no, that's not fair to say, relatively straightforward, but more more normal because some of them would have already been in the armed forces. But for the women, it came as a bit of a shock. And it was there they learned things like unarmed combat and silent killing, uh, the Fairburn and Sykes tex- techniques that had been brought over from uh, Shanghai uh, the previous decade. And they would learn to use the, the fighting knives as well. Uh, they'd learn to live off the land if they were going to end up being with the Maquis, living out in the, the scrubland of France. Um, so that was a pretty intense training, living off the land. Uh, They would do parachute training at Ringway Aerodrome, which is now Manchester International Airport. So for some of them, um, a real shock. In fact, I was at um, Brookwood Cemetery at the weekend just looking at some of the SOE graves there. And one of the guys had died during his parachute training. So uh, it was pretty critical stuff. There'd then be put into two groups. So for women, you most likely to be a courier or a wireless operator. If you're going to be a wireless operator, you're off to Tame Park in Oxfordshire for Morse code training and uh, basic wireless exercises. And then they'd go to the SOE finishing school at Bewley in the New Forest. And there they would start to live and act as if they were already in France. So, I mean, it's a pretty intense training programme and there's lots of different facets of it. And I think particularly for the women, they were doing things that women hadn't done before uh, one of the arguments against using women at all for this kind of work was that they wouldn't be protected by the Geneva Convention because women didn't have the right to bear arms uh, and suddenly there are women out there, Sten guns and pistols and blowing things up and shooting things down and um, you know, all pretty new stuff to them really Gosh, I, yeah, I, yes. I,
0: that, that point about the Geneva Convention, that just had never occurred to me, of course that, that, mm. that, 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 that's a sort of such a shift um uh, how long so how long is that training all how long does that all fit yeah, in yeah that's to? what
1: i was going to
2: ask ideally it's 6 to 9 months but wow. yeah the word ideal in the middle of the second world war when you're plummeting towards d day or the circuit in paris has just collapsed and you need more people in uh it doesn't really work does it there's no normal um and so some of the training could be cut very short some of them only had 6 to 8 weeks and the ones who had shorter training didn't tend to do as well there's an example of a lady called odette wyland whose training was cut short uh, she was infiltrated and she was given a test by her circuit leader a man called southgate and pearl witherington uh, who was a courier already out there and they both said she's no use we can't use her she's she doesn't know her codes. she doesn't know her work and she's going to be dangerous and they packed her back across the pyrenees <laughs>
0: But wow. fired fired her basically yeah
2: i know isn't that awful and then what just terrible. off you go see you later
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, isn't but but norin yet Khan is not really kind of i mean she's not mm-hmm. ready for the job is she when she goes out i mean no. woefully well would she not ever so. be
2: ready for the job
1: no so don't um, send she her. just
2: wasn't the right kind of in my opinion i must say in my opinion she wasn't the right kind of person for the job and now you've only so, got to so tell, the tell us a little reports. bit about her
1: So Nourini Khan
2: was Indian. Um, She was uh, a direct descendant of um, a sultan. So people call her a princess. I mean, that was way back in her past. She wouldn't have probably considered herself a princess. Uh, And she was also brought up um, as a Sufi, which is uh, part of Islam. A very peaceful part, taught not to lie, to have a very... um, passive kind of life. So to choose someone like that for a secret agent is already ringing alarm bells. Um, But she was a good wireless operator. She'd enrolled in the WAF, the Women's Auxiliary Air Force. Uh, She was really good at her Morse code and her wireless. So she was brought into SOE. She had a working knowledge of Paris. uh, And it's already clear in her reports that even if she wasn't very good at training, they were going to send her anyway. And the reports amongst historians are quite famous because they say uh, she's not overburdened with brains. Um, She's dreamy. She's uh, they don't use the words wishy washy, but that's that's what they mean. And the head of F section, Morris Buckmaster, actually writes in pencil in the margins. We don't want them overburdened with brains and absolute balls. Um, And he's really upset that one of the instructors, a guy called Spooner, who says that bastard has taken against her. Uh, But her reports aren't good. And even trainee agents write a letter to headquarters and say, please don't use her. She's going to endanger us and she's going to endanger everybody. Her security is not very good. And apparently on a 96 hour exercise she was doing near Bristol, um, she was picked up by a policeman who asked her what she was doing. And she told him she was training to be a secret agent and then (laughs) offered to show him her wireless set. And he said, if she's a secret agent, then I'm Winston Churchill but they sent her anyway because Paris needs a wireless operator and she's, she's good. So she gets dropped by Lysander. um, And within a week of her getting out there, the Prosper circuit, the main one in Paris is destroyed around her. Uh, And she becomes the only wireless operator in Paris at that point. Um, She continues to work. Buckmaster tries to recall her. She says, no, 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 I want to stay out here. My role's important. And this is the bit I find amazing. Um, She disobeyed orders. Uh, but they let her stay out there. And eventually, to cut a very long story short, her security's poor. She kept all her codes in plain um, and in code, and she kept them on her. Um, She was eventually betrayed um, for a tenth of what the Gestapo were asking for her, and she was put into Gestapo headquarters on the Avenue Foch in Paris, where she immediately tried to escape. She didn't succeed, and she became friendly with a couple of other resistors, and they planned to escape again, and they didn't succeed again and the head of the Gestapo Hans Kiefer asked them to sign an, an affidavit to say they wouldn't try another time and she refused to sign it and it's at that point she became uh, a Nacht und Nebel, a night and fog prisoner, put into manacles sent to Fortsheim prison um, and eventually she was taken from Fortsheim to Dachau and there she was executed in September of '44.
0: Uh, how How do SOE end up with people who aren't suitable then i mean that i mean it's a terrible it's a terrible story it's absolutely yeah. tragic tragic and as you as you as you point out that there, there's enough is it because the thing james and i talk about in the podcast a lot is that the allies are often up against this thing that if they could do what they need to do in nine months time they'd have the stuff and people ready but they're always basically they're always trying to do things before really it's <laughs> ideal. And that and RSOE basically in the situation they don't actually have enough people ever quite, they haven't shaken down actually who they're looking for ever quite, and by the time they have, it, you know it'll be too late. Is, is that what the is that the pressure?
2: I think it's yeah. I think I think you're right. I think um, there is that pressure, and it's that putting people out before they're ready, or are we sure this is what we need to do? They're up against it from all sides. They've got you know, so many different factions working within France anyway, factions of the resistance, never mind the other French networks that are running. Mm. It's not just F-section out there. There's other networks. Then you've got MI6 as well. And I think there's just always just push, push, push. Um, to me, it's always... Preparation for D-Day. It seems like they're always moving forwards for D-Day, but not knowing when D-Day is going to be or where it's going to be for <laughs> for a certain length of time. Um, well, you,
1: you you're, you I'm sure you're aware of the the new theory that's sort of come out by Patrick Marnham. You know that uh, you know he's done all this work on, on the on the collapse of the Prosper Circuit mm. and the betrayal of Jean Moulin, and and you know he he points the finger pretty pretty squarely at, um, at SIS as M- MI6 yeah. for blowing it. You know, it, 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 but yeah, it's there's fascinating, a lot of, isn't there's it? There's a
2: lot of that conspiracy around at the moment that it really is SIS who, uh, yeah, who are putting the nail in the coffin and that even they're betraying SOE agents, that agents yeah, yeah. who landed, you've got... Um, Madeleine Dameron, uh, who landed... Now, the, a bit of missed out of the Norse story, actually, which is critical, and it ties into this, is because she'd kept those codes, the Germans could play her radio back, the Funkspiel. Um, they oh, yes. could use her radio, uh, and they sent messages back to SOE headquarters. Um, they were told... By the the receiver that she thought Nor had been arrested, and said, "Oh no no, it's fine. It's it's Nor, you know, she does yeah. this kind of stuff." She's like
0: that, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Gosh. Yeah, but, but
2: what on earth was she? What
1: was she thinking, holding all this in plain sight and having I really I mean, don't know. I mean, really, it's not like she wouldn't have been taught that at at kind of agent school, is it?
2: No, no, exactly. They were taught to destroy their messages and to commit as much as you could to memory so i don't know i I really wish i knew what she was thinking why she did do that because she must have known who she was risking if she got caught and being a wireless operator in paris after the fall of prosper it's only really a matter of time before you're going to get caught so
1: i've always been rather haunted um, by the you know i'm I'm, i mentioned um andre burrell and diana rowden because they were well, four of them weren't they? Were all executed at Natzweiler yeah. all, all at the same time, and, and and I've always been slightly haunted by those deaths. They always seem particularly horrible, Me too. you know, being sort of yeah. you know being being sort of badly drugged with mm. um, beforehand and then shoved into the ovens. And there's this horrible
2: yeah.
1: um eyewitness testimony that that at least one of them was was still alive mm. when they were put in the oven. And it's just it's so gruesome. It's so grim, you know these these Young women who you know, really, I, I, I kind of, I, I, just always feel a bit sort of resentful of the fact that these young women have been sent out without enough training, you know. Which, which, and if you, if you're being sent out of enough training, then that, that suggests that you're probably not going to be able to do what you need to do. And if you're not going to be able to do what you need to do, what's the point of sending you in the first place?
2: Yeah, it's a good you know if question, you're
1: going to be gnawing it? your car and sort mm. of go out and send all these, you know, send all these messages, but do it really badly. Is there a point to doing it? But in actual fact, I mean, you know, inadvertently she ends up causing more harm than than good, doesn't she? Because she does, because she
2: does end up um, having so many other agents sent in on the back of those wireless messages. I just mentioned Madeleine Damman. Then, I mean, yeah. um, she just landed and was arrested. She didn't have time to do anything, and she's brutally executed in a concentration camp. Mm. Um, and, and the Natzweiler girls that you've just mentioned, um, and you say how it haunts you. I have to, when I was writing that part of the book, I actually didn't sleep because I thought, I wonder if I can rewrite history here. I wonder if, if I leave them on that mountaintop just a bit longer, if it won't happen. And I've been to Natzweiler. I've retraced their final footsteps. Have you? I've, I've worked out where I think these things happened. And it just... Right turns your stomach It, it makes you sick to the core and then looking at all the affidavits all the interviews that were done by Vera Atkins after the war of the men responsible it's horrendous and you know I spent hours working out you know how much phenol does it take to execute somebody did they use enough what kind of were they dead were they just unconscious can the story be true of the ovens but I think it is because the guy had a massive scratch down his face Uh, And unbelievably, they they executed them. They burnt them. And then they all went to a party. Oh, God. Because the the doctor was leaving. Uh, It was his last execution that night. And he was then leaving the next day to go to Auschwitz. Uh, And they all had a bit of a party. And one of the guys said, I've done some terrible things. But this is amongst the worst that I've ever been asked to do. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's it's really, really grim.
2: Yeah. And and could it have been avoided? Uh, Could... Could this situation have been avoided? Uh, And the answer is yes, isn't it? It's quite clear, really. Just don't send them in the first place. But then they did do some good. I think we're looking at quite a lot of the negatives. And I do believe they did a lot of good as well.
1: Yeah, of of course. I mean, it's, it's, it's just whether there's a sort of... I don't know, the whole... You know, the, the the birth of SOE, I think, is is so interesting, isn't it? And, you know, and it comes at the same time as sort of the commandos and special operations are all being kind of, sort of set up at the same time. And it, And it's almost as though, you know, we want to set Europe ablaze. We want to do all this undercover stuff, but we haven't quite worked out what we're going to do. So we're going to sort of, you know, and obviously the resistance movement in the in the early parts of of the occupation are and and the early early parts of the war are, you know, the the resistance is necessarily incredibly disjointed because if you're going to be if you're going to resist, one of the key things you have to have is hope. There has yeah. to be a light at the yeah. end of the tunnel. There has to be a point to it, uh, and you have to sort of, you know, and, and in 1940, 1941, you can see why a lot of people are kind of sort of thinking, well, you know, I don't really see how the Germans can be beaten at this point. Then, you know, you don't have WhatsApp groups and you don't have, you know, you don't have the internet. I mean, no. that's been the great facilitator of terrorist groups, hasn't it? The yes, fact absolutely, that you can be yes. on Facebook and all the rest of it. Well, you don't have that in the war. So how do you actually organise it? Which, of course, is where Jean Moulin comes in and, mm. you know, this idea of trying to sort of coordinate French resistance and all the rest of it. But all the time he's doing that in cahoots with, with London. And, it, and it's not like there isn't special... Um, um, Secret intelligence services in London. I mean, they're already there. There's more SIS, MI6 agents in France than there are SOE. So I suppose, suppose, although yes, SOE does do some good. You know, on balance, was it worth it? Was was what they achieved enough to? I mean, you know, you can never say does it justify the deaths. But 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 overall, what, was it a bunch of sort of amateurs sort of making up as they go along, or was it? Or or did it sort of get better as the war goes on? I mean, obviously, prosper the collapse of the Prosper Circuit is a, mm. is a catastrophe. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm so I feel so conflicted about. No, I, I, know, I agree. It. And the more you because... think about
2: it, the more you do sort of go in d- a downward spiral on it. But there are things. There is, uh, and there's isn't little there? details. A... Yeah, that's just what I'm about to say. Um, Harry Ray uh, comes up with this idea of blackmail sabotage. So rather than um, using the RAF to come over and bomb factories that have been turned to the German war effort and where you might get collateral damage of the, the villages or the yeah. nearby areas. Ray comes up with this uh, blackmail. So he goes and takes the factory owner, basically sits him in his office and says, let me into your factory with my plastic explosives and my saboteurs. We will blow up the machinery so you can't make your tank turrets or your guns or your tyres. Um but that is the only damage that will happen there will be no uh no people will be injured no one will be killed your village will still stand and, and this was particularly prevalent i think with the peugeot factory because it had been all but yeah. wiped out um and to me that works because they they slow things down but they're minutiae you know it's one factory it's this train line that gets blown up but it's all little things that add up. And I think in the run up to D-Day, especially, I, I look at the success. I look at the number of train lines out, nearly a thousand train lines the night before D-Day. The phone lines are cut. So the Germans are back on the wireless. We've cracked Enigma. Uh, so we know what their movements are. Uh, we, sorry, the Allies, are able to to understand what's going on a little bit more. Um, but the reprisals on the flip side of this are horrific. You know, the summary executions in prisons I so will take a hundred blokes there because you you have assassinated one of our leaders or um, further afield yeah. not just in France but uh, like Lidica in the Czechoslovakia on the on the back of the assassination of Heydrich where an entire village is wiped out yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, orodorsa gland which isn't directly linked to the SOE but it all a lot of stuff all happens on the same day on the 10th of June 44 in the same area because some yes. um, leader was kidnapped. So you get Violet Zabo's arrest and and you get the massacre. But they're also,
1: they're also in a very bad mood, aren't they? Because they've had their petrol destroyed by mosquitoes who've flown in because they've been tipped off yeah. by a resistance. who have then tipped off the SAS that are there, etc, etc, etc. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? But before D-Day and after D-Day, you've got Jebra teams going in as well. Mm. It seems to me an altogether more, you know, they're going yeah. in in uniform, you know, American-British mm. radio operator all know what they're about and they're kind of, you know, they're there to kind of, you know, I mean, Max Hastings made that point, didn't he? That he, he felt that, that not a single, you know, didn't shorten the war by a single day what was going on in France. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that at all. I, I mean, I, I think resistance was incredibly important, but I think there's a massive difference between resistance, D-Day resistance and blowing up um, uh, railway lines and all the rest of it and, and specific and just sort of, ill-equipped ill-trained but, soe agents going in without the tools for the job i suppose that's that's my, my
0: but, but but isn't the issue here that you know that, that we've we, we've touched on and glanced away from that the soe are new that, and you've turf wars going on anyway in the intelligence community in in the uk after yeah. all you know what what's happening with bletchley and uh, bletchley needing money and bletchley having to service the army the navy the air force them all having what they want naval intelligence doing what it does wanting Mm. what it wants Uh, uh um sis doing its own thing and clearly regarding soe as as a sort of uh cuckoo uh situation something new on the block that's on its turf and and you know clearly clearly a lot of weight being thrown around by players in in whitehall as much as anywhere as much as you know this is before we even go anywhere near going to France. Is that you've got all this struggle going on in the intelligence community and, and such as there is one because after all, SOE's sprung from Churchill's a memo, isn't it? Mm. And rather, and, and so many of the things that spring from Churchill memos in 1940, then immediately run into the defence establishment basically going, well, or war establishment going, well, we're really, we're really not going to do that. <laughs> Any way you can get that into the long grass, if you possibly could, that'd be fantastic. I mean, you only have to look at airborne forces and the long grass they are knocked into in terms of the aircraft they're allowed to use for parachute training that takes mm. that takes 3 years to resolve before they they're finally taken seriously as a as a you, you know what i mean so so this is p- this is surely part of what soe's up against um, long before the enemy get involved it's all the or the, 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 the enemies at home as it were
2: yeah yeah i think so i think it had uh, a huge amount of um competition and struggle to be able to do anything at all, really. Um, I mean, it it was in the pipeline for quite a while. I did quite a lot of research into how SOE came about because it's not just a memo. There's this kind of thing wrangling away underneath uh, within the war office that we need something else and it needs to be separate from MI6 and it needs to be separate from France. This is why there's so many different sections working in the SOE because de Gaulle didn't want British influence, and that's, um, yeah, sorry, that's shown at Gaulle, the end as I well. Yeah, sorry, I left de Gaulle, Gaulle. Gaulle. <laughs> out of the picture. Yeah, I'm just talking exactly. about the British perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and then you throw de Gaulle into it, and you're yeah. screwed, aren't you, really? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you, you can't do right for wrong, can you? <laughs> No. Um, but yeah, you've got these two sections that are butting heads against each other and they hated each other. So you've not only got SOE fighting the other organisations and being born out of these weird things like Electra House and Section D and trying to bring all that together. Um, yeah, then you've you've got the French aspects as well. Um, one of the things, um, we're talking a lot about the agents and obviously that's what my book's about, but I think camouflage section um i've been doing some work around that it's fascinating and some of the work they did and we mentioned james bond right at the beginning Mm. um some of the stuff they came up with um is ingenious and really clever and, and i think did affect the war um in in some pretty impressive ways really some of the the equipment they came up with um and you know false identities and all that kind of stuff it's like a theatrical workshop going on there
0: yeah yeah wow. d- definitely
1: yeah okay K- um, can I just go back Vogue I mean you, you, so. you were saying that in your in the research you you discovered that kind of actually you know they did feel that they needed to create this extra this extra mm. uh, organization of SOE but but why
2: I think just to have something of their own something aside from MI6 which is or sorry SIS uh, yeah um it just seems to, oh, we need a new organisation and we've got all these people who could work in it. And um, I mean, the idea of women wasn't even mooted at this point. Women don't come into the picture for another two years. So it's not so that you can use women agents. And, and they were using women before anyway, the, the other organisations. Right. So it's not for that. Um, I think it's to have this overarching, um, this overarching body across Europe because we always, most people, I believe, when they hear SOE Think France, they don't think Norway, Holland, Belgium, Yugoslavia, the Far East. I mean, it was right the way across yeah. the occupied world. Um, and I think they just wanted this overarching body that could be controlled from one central point. Um,
1: right. A lot
2: of people say it was, you know, Churchill's secret army, but he sort of signed the bit of paper. I'm, I'm not sure he was that involved Um uh, a newspaper article I read yesterday said she was recruited by Churchill. Well, she wasn't. I don't think Churchill would have known she existed, to be honest, <laughs> um, or probably cared. Um, it was just something, you know, it's almost Churchill rubber stamped it.
1: Yeah maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe
2: he wanted something. He was sort of newly prime minister at this point, wasn't he? So maybe he wanted something that was his.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may fall under the, the, the you know, the, um, Alan Allport was talking about the, the other day about, uh, Chamberlain in late 1940 before before he died, thinking Churchill's writing so many memos at the moment. I'm sure he's doing it so that when he writes his <laughs> writes yeah. his uh, autobiography about this, that he'll be able to pick out a memo that proves him right with hindsight. He's just, <laughs> yeah. he's just churning so much stuff out and and and, and attempting, to, you know, obviously attempting to take credit for a lot of the new ideas that are yeah. inevitably going to have to happen now that mm-hmm. the situation's changed. Because after all, this is post the fall of France. No one's no one's thinking about this particularly particularly seriously are they b- before France falls. So. No, it's
2: it's all it all happens on the back of the fall of France the yeah. whole the whole thing and and I think because uh, also because France is very strategically important it's close to us we are facing uh, if they've been occupied we're next um, yep. so you know sort of pre battle of britain here and uh, beginning to wonder if occupations a very real threat um, knowing that if and when a liberation comes, it's going to be France. Uh, And France is a country we need to almost, not control, but get a presence in and and, and get some sort of traction before it's too late. And they go off uh, on their own merry way, having their own internal battles. And, and of course, a lot of collaboration in France, probably more so than most of the occupied countries. Um, Get some sort of control in there.
0: Um, uh, We'll see you in a tick. We're going to take a break now. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. Now, right at the start where we, we started talking, you said that the records have, uh, vary um, of, of what what different missions, you know, the, the mm. different women's experience. Why? Why are the records so like uh, such a curate's egg?
2: Well, it's interesting you just said about Churchill in the memos, actually, because I was about to say... Um... That, that happened with another Churchill. Peter Churchill was accused, rightly or wrongly, I do not know, of keeping notes so that when he came to write his um, memoirs later, he would have everyone's <laughs> names and stuff. But Buckmaster <laughs> said, we were not keeping a record for future historians. We were fighting a war. So a lot of stuff wasn't being recorded properly. I, I've taken from that. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, SOE, um, when it closed very Promptly in 1946, uh, a couple of things happened. There was an office fire, so a lot of files were destroyed. Whether or not that was deliberate, um, most people have ruled out it it wasn't uh, that it was just an accident. So a lot of files went up in that, and they also weeded files. and I found an interview with a lady who said, "I had a pile. I counted nine, threw them into the incinerator, and kept the tenth one." So. And there was no rhyme or reason from what she said as to what was kept and what was destroyed. So we will never have a full picture of SOE. What I've been lucky with with the women I've written about is most of their personnel files have survived. There's a couple that we don't have. Uh, And the last one actually came out a few weeks ago. The agent's still alive. She's the only one left, Phyllis Latour, but she hit 100. So they've released her file, which is this week's (laughs) reading for me. (laughs) A bit annoying that it's happened so quickly after the book came out, but uh, it's the way it goes. What can you do? So some agents have two pages, some have 200 pages.
1: So she's the last one?
2: Yeah, she's the last one alive. Yeah,
0: I, I, I still think that, you know, the, the, the simple bravery of I mean, I I used to be able to speak fairly good French and you'd think I'm completely rumbleable in five minutes. You know, Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just the conception of doing yeah. it requires, I mean, such a, such a nerve, I think. And, and how you live in that, you know, how you don't betray your nerves. Mm-hmm. I mean were they trained is that a thing they were trained in like how to how to stay cool how to not panic
2: yeah i think so uh but you know it's i do compare it to acting a little that um you're basically maintaining a character from the minute yeah. you land you are maintaining a role uh, and a cover story and um you're sort of acting outside of yourself all the time um you know, doing things that you would never do, bef- never have done before, and trying to get through situations basically on your nerves. And I think the minute yeah. you let that guard down would have been a very dangerous point. So that as you get tireder and tireder, uh, you become more and more susceptible. Um, Selwyn Jepson, who was the uh, SOE interviewer recruiter, said that women had a cool and lonely courage. Um, that men didn't have. Uh, this was his words, not mine. I'm not yeah. going all feminist on you. Uh, he said women have a cool and lonely courage and they're, they've they got an ability to work alone. And that's one of the reasons that they started to use women. Um, so, yeah, they would be taught how to cope, but there's only a certain amount you can teach, isn't there? There was that TV programme a couple of years ago, that secret agent selection.
1: Yeah, I rather really liked that. I yeah, really it enjoyed was, it. It
2: was really good. But the, and, that, the, the,
1: that, the, and what was so interesting was that there it was, it was that very petite girl who yeah. was one of the one
2: of the winners
1: wasn't she and, <laughs> she and you could and, see why she was so good
2: yeah but I was going to say even that they did all the physical training the firearms, uh, the PT and all the stuff that came with it but there was never that threat of occupation there was never that threat of going into occupied yeah. territory yeah. and that's something you can't prepare for I don't think until you're in that situation, you can sure. work out how you might react to it but you don't know just like interrogation um, I always say, I, I don't, all you'd have to do is put me in a dentist chair and I would say anything. Yeah. Um, but you don't know, do you? You might actually do really, really well, or you might just completely fold um, at, at the first point. You just don't know until you're there.
0: No. Well, but that's like, I mean, a, a, a lot of the, when we talk about combat training in itself, is it's that, you know, that, that all the things they try to do to mitigate how an mm. infantryman will behave um, when, when, when he's in the clinch. They never, they never really do ever know until until the moment arrives. Yeah. Um, but I, gosh. But the the big difference is, of course, you're on your own, aren't you? You you're not in a yeah. support group like a platoon or a section or or a tank or a troop or any of those things. You are literally on your tod.
2: Yeah, you're very much on your own, and that's one of the things I find uh, most incredible. You know, you're parachuting in. Uh, there might be a reception committee there for you. Um, there might not. You might be jumping in blind, and you're 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 by yourself you know you you have to bury a parachute pick up your wireless set or your luggage whatever it is traipse off through france it might be a bit of france you've never been to you've only studied the maps and you've got to walk around looking like you know where you're going your wireless set could weigh up to 32 pounds and you're pretending it's a light suitcase and it's just got your pajamas and toothbrush in it um and it's that very very much being on your own not knowing who you can trust because even when you meet other members of the resistance you don't know if they've sold out or not you don't yeah, sure. know that they're going to be on your side, and I, I just find it incredible.
1: I agree with you. I, absolutely incredible. I mean, you, you're just going to be on edge all the yeah. time, aren't you? You know, yeah. how nerves, they slept, taulums, how they
2: ate. I just don't know. Just, I just because yeah. I know what I'm like when I get nervous, and I'd just be, <laughs> I'd be just so tense. like Six months.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. I think mean, it's absolutely, absolutely extraordinary. What What is the process by which? they come to the conclusion that they do need to, to recruit women?
2: Um, it's the forced labour programme in France. So uh, the Germans come up with this service to travail obligatoire, where they're going to yeah. round up men who would have been of army age. Obviously, the French army has been um, disbanded and banned. But the, the guys who... And this
1: is June 42, isn't 42, it? 42,
2: yeah. yeah. So the um, young men of military age are or can be rounded up and used for German war efforts they sent to the factories yeah. sent into forced labour uh, there was talk of doing it for women but it never seemed to come about so um it becomes obvious that women can move around more freely. Now, I'm not saying it's easy because it's not, but it's comparatively more freely than the men.
1: Um,
2: And also women's cover stories are that bit easier to um, maintain. So district nurses, cosmetic representatives, uh, pushing along a pram uh, with your wireless and a false bottom, it is relatively easier. And we are looking at a patriarchal society. We are looking at... uh, both the germans and the french don't really believe women would do this kind of thing isn't their role to have children and you know this whole church and kitchen thing going on with the germans i don't really believe that women had the nous to start off with anyway to blow things up to get involved in sabotage uh, to get involved in resistance so it's just that bit easier um now the first two women who go in go in ahead of the um the official decision to bring women in Uh, you've got Christina Scarbeck or Christine Granville and then you've got Virginia Hall both of who go in ahead of this and they both do such an amazing job Um, Hall sets up safe houses, she sets up networks she's got a lot of uh, impact in getting um, circuits set up and ready to receive other people Um, and the mail agent said if you at one point or another you're going to meet Virginia Hall that uh, there's no question about it, all routes kind of lead to Virginia. And she did such a good job that when the ideas started to be mooted, and again, this isn't an official memo, this is a conversation with Churchill and Jepson, where Churchill says, I see you want to use women, and Jepson says, do you think it would be a good idea? And Churchill said, yes, good luck. And then they're recruiting women. Um wow. and so suddenly they start to to look for women. Now when I say recruiting, you're not putting an advert in the Times, you're not uh, secret agents wanted. Um you can't do that. So they just start to look there's no old boys network either for women. So they start just to look around within the auxiliary forces, within people coming in through the clearance centres who might be um potential agents. I, so, yes, wow. I mean yes, after Long all answer. you
0: you aren't put you aren't putting small ads in, in the in the paper, are you? So so it, you, you, it, is it you know people who stick out on a wireless course? It's people, someone's secretary who oh she speaks mm. she speaks French fluently, you know she grew up you know she grew up in France. Maybe I should are people recommended? Are they
2: yeah? It, it, it's exactly that they're, they're picked up because they've got good wireless skills in the WAF or um, they speak good French. Um, they're heard speaking French at a party or they're at a club and they meet somebody. Um, what else? Uh, res- as I said already, resistance and escape yeah. lines. People who've come back through the MI5 clearance centres uh, who might have the right skills to put forward for potential interview. Uh, and also things like um, the BBC would put out appeals for photographs um, when they're preparing for D-Day. They wanted photographs of the beaches. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and One woman sent some photos in, uh, but she sent them to the War Office and not the Admiralty. And the Admiral, uh, the War Office forwarded them to SOE. And she was brought in for interview um, or to discuss war pensions. Um, So, yeah, there's there's as many ways of being recruited as there are women who made it.
0: And was there were you allowed to say no?
2: Yes. Yeah, it's Completely voluntary. Up until the moment you're setting foot on the aircraft to go, you can pull out.
0: Really? So literally on the pan at the airfield, you can say, actually, this isn't for me. I'm not going.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's be... voluntary. I mean, it's paid. It's not voluntary, as yeah, in you're going yeah. and <laughs> paying your own yeah. way. But it's voluntary, as in you're not conscripted into it. Uh, there's there's no being forced into it. There's a film called Female Agents. I don't know if you saw it years ago. Whether or coerced into it for various reasons, and they're forced to go. It just wouldn't happen. You wouldn't. You no. wouldn't get the right kind of people. Um, I don't think because that... they need to have that burning desire to do something. But
0: this, don't you just make a film like that because no one nowadays, <laughs> no one these days would believe anyone would have possibly have a burning desire you know, <laughs> to, to do such a thing.
2: Well, <laughs> it's interesting, it. isn't it? I, I yeah. certainly wouldn't go. I've well, studied this all my life. You, no, 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 exactly. no, you're all right, thanks. I'll be in the but, munitions factory. Cheers. Uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but were, were there many who did re, who did refuse at the end?
2: Not that because, I'm aware of, no. No, right. not that I've been made aware of. Um, there are many more who were recruited into training than got through the training, uh, and that right. may well be uh, what I might be looking at next. Um, right. But as far as I'm aware, no. Um, and we talked about Noor earlier, and Vera Atkins reputedly said to Noor, the worst thing you can do is go out there not wanting to do it and let us down once you're out there. Pull out now. Uh, don't, don't mess us about once you're out there.
1: Gosh. Wow. I mean, so, is there is a. Sorry, go on up.
0: Well, no, I was just wondering what the failure rate was, you know, in your volunteers, you know. Did, did...
2: Oh, in, in terms of training? Yeah. For the women, it looks like it's about 50 um, right. 50. We've got 39 women going, and it looks like about 80 tried. Um, right. But that's something I need to look at properly. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got a very big spreadsheet that I need to go through uh, and work all that out exactly. Um,
1: so, so, Kate, apart from the obvious ones like Balazabo and Nora and 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 Odette, I mean, What are the stories that particularly kind of, you know, which which are the girls that went particularly kind of caught your imagination?
2: Uh, There's a couple. Do you have a favourite
1: or a couple of favourites?
2: I have a couple of favourites because I met them. Um, So Pearl Witherington, who was a courier uh, in the Loire Valley. uh, I went out to meet her several years ago and she was oh, she was just amazing. She was just she was a brilliant agent anyway um her circuit leader southgate was arrested and she ended up leading 3,000 Mackie or resistors um and she kept asking her wireless operator, would you ask for them to send a chap out you know it's not my job <laughs> I, i'm a woman i shouldn't be leading them and they kept not sending a chap out and as i mentioned all this infighting she had all the communists and the gaulists they were all at each other so she divided them into little sections and gave them each a leader and each leader came to her every day you know stop nicking each other's food stop being childish stop pinching each other's weapons and she got the whole lot under control and she was still leading them at D-Day and she had 3,000 men working underneath her and uh, I think it's a few days after D-Day it might even be this notorious 10th of June Um, they're they're overrun essentially and she hides in a wheat field for over 12 hours while she sees planes going overhead there's troops everywhere and she just hides um, in this burning heat not able to go for a pee not having a drink nothing just lying in this wheat field um and after the war she was given the uh, civil mbe and she just turned around and said i did nothing civil and i take that as meaning two things she didn't sit behind a desk but also she did nothing civil she led three thousand gorillas guerrillas <laughs> <Right, yeah. laughs> at the height of d-day yeah. um so yeah i find her absolutely remarkable um And the other other lady I met was Yvonne Bazden, who was a wireless operator. Oh, yes. Um, Now, she was caught just after D-Day again. There was a big daylight drop um, on the 14th of July, and they were betrayed. Um, To cut a long story short, her and her entire circuit were arrested uh, at lunch after the drop. Um, And she ended up at Ravensbrück concentration camp, where she developed tuberculosis and she managed to escape um, the Swedish Red Cross sent bands in just towards the end of the life in the camp or the the, the working of the camp uh, and and she was liberated she was the last person to get on the bus and she survived and yeah she amazing. was self-effacing gentle and just an incredible agent um wow she's yeah.
1: not and 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 how long ago did you meet? Because she's not with us now, is she?
2: No, she died she? about three years ago. I met them uh, both of them uh, for the first time in two thousand and three, um, when I was studying for the thesis. Uh, but I stayed in touch with Yvonne right through to uh, when she passed away about three years ago.
1: Wow! Incredible. So yeah, mm. you're
2: great.
1: Quite something to have met those people.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's just something you'll never forget. And little things about even meeting them, Pearl. Got halfway through translating the menu and then just started talking. And so I ordered what she'd pointed at. And then the next day I saw the British version, the English language version of the menu thought you made me eat snails didn't you <laughs> and you happily watched me eat them and she didn't say a word <laughs> she also oh, said amazing. I was asking her about silent killing and she said it's not how hard you hit them it's where you hit them um, yeah. at which point I realised I needed to buy lunch <laughs> <laughs> she was awesome she was brilliant oh, very opinionated yeah, knew what she liked knew what she didn't like yeah, um, yeah.
0: amazing great stuff well, well Kate thanks so much for joining us to talk about this um, thank you for uh, having me Oh no, it's been. Uh, I mean, again, we we, we the, you know, the, the the Second World War is this sort of e- endless onion. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> you've offered <laughs> us another another layer to peel. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, Thank it's you. been fantastic.
1: Thank yeah. you, Kate. Yeah, Cheers.
0: and the and the book. Give it gone because it's Kate's done the. We have ways of making you talk uh, thing of having the book over her shoulder in shot for this Zoom meeting. Uh, so, <laughs> Even so though you'll never this, see the, it. Exactly <laughs> the, with the Zoom the Zoom pack shot. But um, uh, uh, tell us tell us about the book and our listeners will um, uh, scurry out about it. Yeah, yeah. So
2: the book's called Mission France: The True History of the Women of SOE. Uh, it's available from Yale University Press uh, and through all good booksellers. Um, yeah. Is it, it, on Ken-
0: it. is it on kindle it is
2: on kindle right. um and it will be an audio book in about a month's time as well
0: okay, yeah. okay. it's on kindle Wonderful. i've just bought a copy thanks everyone for Have listening <laughs> just this second <laughs> this very second um thanks everyone for listening we'll see you all again soon thank you kate bye bye thank you
1: Cheerio.